Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Jason Troy. Jason is a business and executive coach. He's a leading expert on human behavior, daring leadership, and relationship building. He's also the author of the number one best-selling book, Social Wealth, the how-to guide on building personal and professional relationships. He sold more than 32,000 copies and has been number one in four business and self-help categories. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, well, thanks for having me on and speaking to your fantastic tribe. No, the pleasure is mine. And it's so ironic because I was just talking to you before we hit record. My business partner and I, we do weekly vlogs. Uh, That's on our UID management uh, YouTube page. But today's topic was actually about how to balance relationships with work. And when I was reading your bio, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that, that's that's exactly what Jason's an expert in." So I would love to, <laughs> I'd love to know how you got to this level where you now talk about finding and unlocking success through relationships. Well, it's been all you know, like I think every entrepreneur, it's a very windy road, and it's easier to connect the dots when you're looking back, like Steve Jobs said, than it is when you're in the midst of it all. So I started out my journey in law school and getting my master's in communications. And you know, one of the most important um, times is I was interviewing during my second year in law school. And that's when you interview to get a summer job. And usually that summer job leads to a full-time job for the most part. So I was in New York City and I had prepared for these interviews. I had spoken to the third year students and I was ready to go and you know, they told me what to do, and they said, you know, in the last question, ask some easy question, softball question, and then move on. So I didn't realize the question I was going to ask was really naive. Now I do, but I asked them the question, you know, so are you happy, right? And I thought it would be an easy question to ask because you can talk about anything at that point. But what I found was when I asked that question, It was the longest pause between me asking and them answering in like 30-some interviews, in every single interview, whether it's a partner level or associate. So what that told me is these people aren't happy, 
right? They're, they're living a life that they don't really love or enjoy. And when you have that many people doing it, you have to wake up call that you're probably not in the right field because then you have to ask yourself, what do you, what can you do that all of these other people can't do? Right. And so I decided at that point that I needed to, you know, think about doing something else other than the law. Hmm. So from there, you know, one of my other passions was really doing, you know, technology and it was the gold rush in Silicon Valley. So I decided to go out to Silicon Valley and it was really a, for, you know, fortunate opportunity. I got to work with a lot of great startups. I got to work with Mark Cuban when his company got bought by Yahoo. I got to work with Steve Jobs. I got to work with a, a lot of the big VC companies out there, a lot of big CEOs um, that were in startup companies and up and coming and so it was a great opportunity to learn leadership, management, communication, branding, everything else, and also see a lot of the mistakes as well, right? I mean, that's also just as important as learning from other people. And also some of the people I learned from made some pretty big mistakes along the way as well. So that was a pretty exciting time for me. And then I had a few of my good friend's parents passed away suddenly. And I thought to myself, you know, I hadn't been around my mom in a really long time. And, you know, what happens if she passed away? So I decided to, she moved it from Chicago to Dallas. And I was in San Francisco at this time. So I decided to look for a job. And I couldn't find anything I really loved in Dallas. But I found something in San Francisco, or I'm sorry, in Austin. And I got the job, and as I went down for my final interview and to talk about a few things, my boss said, I have a better job for you, and drove me <laughs> to another interview with a startup company that was based um, in Dallas, and that's how I you know, got to Dallas. He drove you to the interview? He drove you there? Yeah. Wow. That's such a cool person. That's yeah, and I, mean, I had a pretty decent level job, and the company was not small, so uh, it was just someone I got along with, and... Is like one of my mentors today, and it just was, I mean, a pretty crazy experience. I mean, I never would have expected that to happen. It's not like I had any, he didn't tell me ahead of time or anything. So I just went and then I spoke of the company, and that's, I took the, that job, and I was, then I was, uh, you know, kind of on my way to, uh, into Dallas at least. Yeah, well, what you're saying, though, is that's, that's one of the benefits of having good relationships and your ability to connect, build, and develop personal and professional relationships, like you say, are undervalued skill sets that few people ever develop. So can you share some key ways that people can do this quickly, that people can do this to, to stand out, get known, and create that sense of intrigue with others? Well, I think that you really, when you think about building a relationship with people, I think you have to think in terms of a framework and then work from that because then you can better understand why people do what they do and why that sometimes you meet people and it goes really well and then many times it doesn't. People just assume that chance, luck, they're on, the other person isn't. But I found that you can start to create a lot more of those opportunities for yourself if you understand and break it down and really understand the psychology of people, what they're thinking, and what they really want. And when you think about it, there's three big pillars, and it's building rapport, likability, and trust. And those are the key ways that people uh, look at other people. And if you can fill those buckets up enough, each of them, mm -hmm. what happens is you build enough intrigue. 
that people want to follow up and connect with you because they think there is something of value that they're going to get out of that relationship, whatever that value is to them, right? And when you think about rapport, you know, you can think about it in two ways. One, you can think of nonverbal, and I won't really go into that, but that's more like NLP. You can, Tony Robbins talks a lot about this, and I think there is value in that. But then there's the verbal part of it, and when I find it, the key there is you have to find common ground, which is not earth-shattering, but what happens is, is that people do it the wrong way. They start asking boring interview questions like, where are you from, what do you do, all those types of questions. And what happens is people have had thousands or tens of thousands of experiences in their life where that hasn't gone great or it rarely does. So they'll often turn you out, off because the noise in their head will be louder, other things that they're thinking about. So what I found is you have to help people be present. And how you do that is by asking them questions that they haven't been asked before, but they actually love to talk about. And the number one thing is themselves. So if you ask them questions such as, you know, what are you most excited about in your life right now? Or what do you what projects are you working on that you're most passionate about? Well, what happens is, is that most people have never been asked that question. They're forced to be present. And they're talking about something that they love, so you connect them on an emotional level, which is a fantastic place to start from, because that's what drives all of us, our emotions, over everything else. Even people that consider themselves an intellect or they're very logical, their emotions are still driving them. They just uh, they tell themselves that's not the case, but that's not really the way it is. So when you do that then you are working from their agenda and what it is. And then you can find common ground because you can basically make any comments about anything that they're saying and it's finding common ground. And so then you build deep rapport with people within two minutes, right? And the next thing in likability, which is easier, is that's all about listening and being present. And most people are not. Well, what happens is, is that by asking these questions, you help people be present so they're focused on you because they have to be to answer these questions. And then you are because you're listening. And what I find a lot of times, if you talk to people, you'll see their eyes dart around or they're thinking about other stuff and you can kind of feel it. Well, what happens is when that you're telling someone else, I don't care. And people can just feel that. Well, then you turn people off, right? So you have to be present and not worry about anything that's going on around you, anything that's happening afterwards, because it's just not helpful in the conversation. And the third thing is trust. And the key thing, if you look at all the parameters of trust, and I've studied this for a while, the most important one by far is caring. When you know that someone cares about you, all the other parameters of trust just go away. And what happens is then people want to do anything for you because typically people care about other people when they're in their inner circle, meaning that they're you know, a business partner, a really close friend, family member, whatever that might be. And how you care about someone is to lead by giving and offering help, right? It could be in this conversation, um, a person you could connect them with, it could be an idea, it could be a book suggestion, it could be following up and sending them something. I mean, it could be a million different things. It could be even something as simple as just buying them a drink, right? I mean, so whatever you do when you lead with giving, it tells someone else that you understand the giving process and it's not about matching or it's not about taking, it's about giving other people and helping them along the way. And that especially works with influencers and people that are more well-known and more successful because they're more sensitive to takers than anyone else. And you have to do that in order to be successful. Now, if you can do all three of those things, what happens is you create the intrigue 
that people will want to follow up with you because they'll see you as a person that could be in their inner circle. And psychologically, they actually put you there right now, even as someone who they've just met. I, I love that. And you are highlighting the importance of giving value, you know, whether it's listening that's that's gonna get that's gonna be key for you to understand how you can provide value to that person. Whether yes. it's asking the right questions, that's gonna show that person that you care, and that's gonna make them really lower their walls so they can feel comfortable enough to trust you. And I think that's that's something that you say it's so undervalued, it's something that everybody is capable of doing. But in the workplace, it's something you can do as a boss to your. Um, to subordinate, it's something you can do with your colleague, it's something you can do as a spouse, it's something you can do as friends. And I think, like you say, we sometimes lose sight of that by forgetting that we can just ask the simple questions. Even many people, many people like you and I, we were just talking before how we have such busy days and we have work on top of this. And imagine the difference that's, that can make if someone just said, hey, so... What really excited you this weekend? Why you, Why do you think that's going to play a big role in your long-term vision? And then that imagine that type of conversation because you yes. never know what could happen. Yeah, and, and one of the, and, and if you take a look in corporations, one of the things that I have CEOs do, and it's amazing how much better their relationships get with people in their own business, is I have them walk around ten or fifteen minutes a day and just say hi to people. Right, and engage with them. Most of the time, what happens is busy executives, they just don't engage with people, period. They're, they're so busy that they don't walk around and say, hi, hi, how's your week going? Like, you know, what are you working on? Regardless of what the answer is, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't have to be much, but if you do it every day, you start to engage with people and you show them that you care, right? And if you're working in a business today, right, I mean, Almost every every single person listening to this that they're working in a business is at least working probably 50, more like 60 to 70 hours. When you think about the times that you're thinking about work, right, that's still working. You, you may not think of it like that, but when you think about work, you actually are working. Well, sure. you want to know that people care about you. Otherwise, you're going to eventually treat that as a transaction and not care. And that's what happens in most businesses. I mean, that's just – and that's why businesses are not – as successful as they could be and companies, you know, that you look on top of Forbes best workplaces is the reason why that they consistently are there, right? Because people stay because they know they, they care about them, right? It's not just the perks, it's the culture and they build it of people that actually they they matter, right? So I think those are things that people need to, you know, take into account. And even busy people you can take the time out and it doesn't have to be much, but those things go farther um, than really almost anything else. You know, Jason, you and I, we both go into workplaces and we work with executives. And it's funny when you were sharing your exercise, I was thinking of like my exercise that I do as well. And what I do is I have them commit to putting a smile on five people's, five different people's faces every day. And the reason why I have them do that is because it makes, for you to get someone to smile, you have to ask questions or you have to at least try yes. to figure something out. And, and, it's some of the executives have been like, oh, my goodness, but it's a waste of time. But I've also seen when they committed to it, the amount of impact that that creates and, and with the workplace culture and just how they're perceived. Because like you said, a lot of people in the workplace are just too busy and they think that stopping by to say hi or interacting with someone is going to take away from the day without actually realizing the impact of the work, workforce culture that that's doing. So. And it trickles down too, right? The thing oh, about sure. it is, yeah. right? When you you have an executive that you go speak to someone in an organization, 
if they have subordinates, what happens is then that energy, that positivity, all of that goes downhill, and then all those other people work even harder and work more. And it's contagious, right? They've yeah. studied this, is that people's moods, whether they're bad or good, actually spread to other people and how they're feeling. Because whatever frame is strongest, you control it, right? So if yeah. people are really mad or upset, and you're like in the middle – your uh, your attitude and mood will actually spread to them and will create something negative, right? It's like sort of quote unquote cancer spreads in organizations. Well, positivity does as well. So I think what you're saying is great, right? I mean, giving five smiles and it's something that people can really just compute in their head, right? They can say, okay, I'm doing five. And well, you know, people might say, well, geez, that sounds corny. Do you have to count the five people smiling? I'm like, well, it's better to be accountable to something than nothing. Yeah, no, and and what happens? I, mean, I started doing it personally in my life a long time ago, just because I was always moving as a kid, and I, for me, connecting was a way of life because I, I do cross cultural connection and how that applies to diversity and inclusion. So I needed to figure out a way to connect across cultures, and for me, it, it became okay. Count five now and then became just a habit that I don't count yeah. anymore. So that, even though yes, it might sound corny initially, but. You've got to you've got to interact with your people because I I yeah I come yeah, across I, so many executives that say that's when we do surveys and we do audits like they always say that's not who I am I can't believe people think of me like that but that's what you're saying it's all the trickle, time trickle down effect so. right because I've started doing three sixty reviews with executives and it's amazing uh, because you think of most people like that they don't get feedback. At all. So the right, so the so by not interact by the, what you're telling them to do, they're starting to interact, and what also happens is they get a lot more feedback from people because people see that they're open, so they'll come to them with problems, issues, challenges, or suggestions for improvement that they wouldn't normally do, right? And that's what I find, and that just like what you're saying, that they're surprised. Uh, I find the same thing when I'm doing reviews and I hand them what other people that they've selected think about them and the patterns that are going on. It rarely is that they actually understand them. And most of the time I'll walk out and they'll have been in tears or near tears, even people that are stone cold because the feedback can be pretty harsh um, and they're not aware of it. And part of it is because they aren't engaged with other people. They're talking to them, not with them. Absolutely, absolutely. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why Jason Troy's book, Social Wealth, has sold more than 35,000 copies and is the number number one in uh, in four business categories. But the reason why we're having you on the show is not only to talk about the, the building your personal and professional relationships, we also want to learn how to do or how to get out of a position when you're stuck. Now, you deal with a lot of executives and sometimes – they might be doing work and they go through that routine. We all go through it, 95, 96, come back home, and 10 years pass by and they realize that they're not actually happy. They're working for a paycheck or they have to pay a bill, but they're not doing what they feel like they're called to do or they just haven't grown. Why do people get stuck personally and professionally and why are your emotions the gateway to creating that success? Well, what happens is is that people get in survival patterns, right? And these patterns start when you're a little kid and they escalate in your life, right? And if, for instance, I've had clients that I've had a client, one of my clients, the parents always told him to shut up, right? So uh, when he was small, well, what happened is is that when he got into really combative time uh, as an executive, 
he would shut down and it would help it would hurt him because he would just turn off other people and i think one of the things we all have to realize is that we have these patterns and things that happen when we're basically under the age of 10 that we start to learn model those behaviors and accept them and then they incorporate them in a life and they become our blind spots and so the key thing is you have to start asking yourself questions and really seeing it now and, and you need to get help with this i mean we can't see our blind spots because they're there to protect us but they're actually not um in the sense that we need to get rid of them right they're only there so we're not getting overwhelmed but if you do it with other people you can move beyond and how you take a look at it is there's five layers to this and it starts with the behavior right and we have a behavior you know many times we want to change and the easiest way is looking at a new year's resolution right people go to the gym and then all of a sudden they stop right well it's because most people can't take a behavior that they want to change and just plow right through it now sometimes you can right but most people cannot or they can do it one area and not the other underneath that's a story that you have around whatever that is right and the story could be that people don't like me people don't accept me people you know believe that i'm overweight and that's why they don't care for me and whatever happens for most people is that they'll go and do their new year's resolution and then somehow they won't get something done maybe they won't go to the gym enough or they won't eat well enough and then all of a sudden a little voice in their head goes off and said see i told you couldn't do that See, I told you it wouldn't work. And then what happens is you stop doing the New Year's resolution and then you just make another one and you keep getting in this cycle of behavior and story. And the key thing is the layer below that you can think of as an iceberg. You know, whatever's below the water is either going to make you or kill you, one of the two. And the emotions are the gateway. And the challenge is for all of us is we've been taught not to feel, right? There's pills we take, things we buy. We're told of all these messages. And the key thing is your emotions are really your early warning system. They tell you what's going on around you. It's like you hear that little voice inside of you and those emotions. And sometimes we listen to them, but rarely. And then they actually lead us to good places. But most of the time we shut them down. So when you start listening to it and understanding that you're emotions are telling you something and you dig deeper you can start to figure out what it is and that layer below that is a limiting beliefs and limiting beliefs are an internal belief and those are really strong that's where shame really emanates from um, saying who am i um who do i think that i am selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And, you know, part of that's imposter syndrome. And, you know, most executives have that because they feel like, you know, how did I ever get here? And I don't have the skill sets and I'm doing new things and I don't know what I'm doing. Well, what happens at that point, too, is you just shut that down and you stay at that level. But you have to dig deeper and then you've got to dig back into what things have really popped up since you were a child, right, in your life and learn a model. And when you can undo that, then you can start to rumble with all these things, right? And I think part of it in New Year's resolution, if you're looking at that, you know, you start asking yourself, okay, well, what's my behavior? What's the story I have around it? What are the emotions that are coming up? What are the limiting beliefs that I feel about myself and not going to the gym? And then ask yourself, when's the first time I've ever felt like this before in my life? Like, when's the first time I remember it? And if you start to dissect that and think of the time and the feelings, you can find patterns and times in your life and then start to think about that and understand what happened and then re-engineer up the stack and say to yourself, well, what feeling would I have to replace this to in order to get by it? You know, what limiting belief now, would I, what belief would I have to do to empower me, right? What emotions would I have to feel in order to really move beyond this, what stories would I have to have around the world around me? And then what's the behaviors that I would need to exhibit? And when you can just write those down, you can plow through every single thing that is problematic in your life. And I've done this with hundreds of people, and it's worked every single time. It's, it's so true. And we believe the stories we tell ourselves. Actually, we believe the stories that society tells us. Yes. Um, when we're kids, like you're saying, we're so childlike, we have no concept of what realism is. We feel like we can do anything. We want to be astronauts, superheroes, all that. And then parents or friends or society tells you, nah, you know what? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Lower your expectations. Don't be that. Don't be that. It's not realistic. You can't do that. And then we sort of buy into that and it becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy. So, yeah, I think what you're saying is so true. Yeah, and I think the thing about it is, like, a newborn baby, they don't know any of these things that we're talking about, right? They don't know, like, what uh, sexism is or racism or, like, looking down at other people or doing this. We all learn these. These are all learned behaviors that we learn from society and taking on. And we have to understand that these stories form the blueprint of our lives. It's how the frame that we see the world, the lenses we're looking through the world from. So we have to change them in order to get a different outcome, right? It's, and, and we are the ones doing it. So we are in control of all of this. No one else is. The people like to feel helpless and be the victim because it's easier to be in that place because then you have someone else to blame, right? Yeah. Being, you know, and being accountable means not only do you have to be responsible for it, but then you're required to take action. And most people don't want to be accountable because that's too hard. Because then, like we were talking about before, if you want to build a successful business, then that requires you to work on a weekend. And people would rather not do that, right? Well, then you can't want success because that's what successful people all have to do. And they have to do it, especially 
when they don't want to, which is much of the time, regardless of what other people may think, that people are just like so excited about their entrepreneurship that they're, you know, working at one o'clock on Saturday and whistling while they work. Well, that's not real. Oh, no, I completely agree. And I can see why you definitely have a lot of success with the consultant and speaking that you do. One question, though. I've read a little bit about you, and I remember you know, when I was reading up on you, you had said this. Creativity is the key to your innovation and leadership of business. Why? Well, I think that we have to be innovative. We have to put our own unique footprint of the world, right? And your creativity... And what comes from inside of you is what you have to give to the world, and that makes you unique and special. And we all have that inside of ourselves, but we have to bring that out of us, right? And what happens is things like comparison, perfectionism, that keeps our creativity and innovation down, right? And it doesn't allow us to flourish and really get out of ourselves. So. You know, I think that you have to find ways for your voice to get out, right? And it doesn't have to, you know, creativity people think about like music or writing. I mean, that's one thing, but you can find creativity in anything that you're doing, right? It's just taking something and innovating and putting your spin on it. And it doesn't matter what it is. You just have to get out there and order and to do that and stop um, letting people not allow you to do that and find a way to get it out, right? And some people, you know, I, I, I know people who have, you know, that don't, aren't allowed creativity, right? That are lawyers, accountants, and things, and there's reasons that they can't leave those jobs. Well, then how you do that is you pick something that you really enjoy that's creative. Perhaps it's writing, perhaps it's music, it's art. There's meetups, there's other things you can do. But you need to find some creative outlet to let your voice out onto the world, whatever it could be, right? It could be charity events. I mean, it could be anything, but you have to do that because otherwise what happens is you start feeling like you're just walking through life and there's there's no reason for you to be here. Um, and that's something that's really you know critical for all of us to have and something that we need. Absolutely. Absolutely. So – you, we've talked about relationships. We've talked about how to stand out. I want to dig further into that. There's this picture. A guy or a lady walks into a room, and his goal is to work that room to create extraordinary relationships. What, what should he, or, he uh, or she do in that, in that scenario? Well, there's a couple of things that you can do when it comes to working a room. Right now, if it's an event which many of these things are, right, or you go to a conference, the key is is that you have to find ways for you to work best in those environments. And one of them I have people do is you can often work the check-in table or volunteer in a way that you can meet a lot of people. And, and doing the check-in table is great, especially for – you know, events, because what happens is you have to you meet the people that are coming in the door and you have a reason to say hi to them. And if you have social anxiety or really worried, it helps you because then you can also meet the people that are organizing the event, which they can help you meet other people. And they will because you're giving of your time and mo and very few people do this at all, if ever. Right. So you immediately stand out inside the organization and then. When you're walking around the room after you check people in, people assume you're part of the organization and you're helping out, right? And you're meeting people a second time, which is always easier than the first time. So all those things can help you if you have some social anxiety or you're just a little more worried about meeting people. But the other thing to do, 
And, you know, someone told me to do this a really long time ago, and I thought they were crazy, and I thought <laughs> this would never work, and, like, this is probably, like, I felt stupid, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to give this a try to prove them wrong, actually. I didn't actually do it to, to actually see if it worked. I did it to prove them wrong because they were so convinced that this would work. So I went, um, and you could do this. The, you, the bar works the best, and it, you don't have to get like alcohol. You get whatever. Um, but people are congregating there, so it's easier, and they're standing, and they're not moving around, and they and they have a reason to be there because they're waiting for something. Well, what you do is you introduce people to other people, and you can do this to complete strangers. And so, you know, the first times I did this, I felt really awkward, but it always worked. And what happens is, is that so let's say you're going, you're standing in front of the bar and there is a person on your left and you would just say to them, you know, how's everything? What brought you to the event? It doesn't really matter what you say to them. Um, And I don't really even ask them their name. And then there's usually someone either right behind me or to my right. And so what I happen is, is that after I ask them and they answer the question, which usually takes 10 or 15 seconds, I point my finger and the other person, and maybe I grab their arm or something, and I'll say, hey, you two should meet each other. I think you'd really hit it off. And you can't think fast enough whether that's true or not, because I'm so certain in it that then they start talking to each other. And everyone wants to meet someone else because of the fear of loss, of missing out on something, right? And so they'll start the conversation. And I've often brought in three, four people in this conversation, and I don't even know their names, and I let them introduce themselves. I don't even do anything, right? And I will interrupt them to introduce them to other people, and it's worked well. And I've done this hundreds of thousands of times, and I've had clients do it. And the worst thing that's ever happened is someone said, hi, you know, and they said, hey, I'm busy. I need to go do something else. But that, if that's the worst case scenario, um, you can do some pretty magical things. And why this works great is then when you walk around the room – you feel a lot more confident and certain um, and extroverted, even if you're an introvert. And then you'll go say hi to that person, and they're standing on other people. What they'll do because of the law of reciprocity, and what that is, is basically saying people don't want to feel indebted to you. They want to at least get to break even. So what they'll do is they'll introduce you to people that they're standing around, right? So you'll meet all these people, and they'll do it in a way that is is something that they'll say nice things about you because you led with giving, right? Like we talked about before, which is key. Yeah. And you introduce them to someone else. And typically, again, people don't introduce other people unless they know that person. And then that's pretty key because at that point, they're assuming you're in their inner circle, right? Well, this is also really helpful to do this stuff. And that's how you work a room. And you can meet a lot of people with very little effort and work inside of groups, which is really powerful. That's so amazing. It, it's so true. I never even thought of it that way. Introducing someone else to someone uh, in, in, a, in a networking event just takes off so much anxiety because there are many people out there that are there are these network events and they're quietly freaking out because they don't want to be the person standing or having to pull out their phone to pretend to text until someone reaches out to them. But if you just be that proactive person and say, hey, I think you should meet so-and-so, that just eliminates, eliminates that barrier. Wow. And you meet the other person too. So you're so think about it this way. When you're introducing both of those people, they might have social anxiety themselves. And so now by doing that, you're helping them get over it, regardless of how that interaction goes, right? You're doing them a service that will allow them then to open up. Because what I found is that 
most people when they interact with two to three strangers on average they start operating at whatever their social maximum is right so what i mean by that is so let's just say you're at a party and you meet two or three different strangers right in two or three separate encounters you will be operating at your social maximum now for some people that might be off the charts but other people it's not but any it doesn't matter you're still in your power zone which means you will get the most out of these interactions and people will want to follow up with you much more than they normally would be because they'll see your energy your positivity you'll be much more engaged and the key thing is that other people will help you, but you've got to lead, right? Because that that's just what's going to happen, right? They'll introduce you to other people naturally. I mean, you might have you might have to walk around the room and see them again, but all you then have to do is go up and re-engage with them, and they'll be happy to see you, and then they'll take it from there. I love it. I love it. And for those listening, you can get more of this in, in um, Jason's book called Social Wealth. Can you talk more about the book? And what people can expect besides every amazing thing that you shared today? Well, I think the key thing, when I created this book, I wanted to create a blueprint. And that wasn't that long. So the book is purposely like about 150 pages because I wanted it to be something that people could just look through and get through. It's not got a lot of stories because I was like, well, if you need proof, then you're in the wrong place. Either you believe this works when you read this or not. I don't need to tell you, you know, stories to fill another 150 pages to prove this thing out. So that's and I've tested it. I've interviewed about a thousand people for the book, probably a hundred super successful people. And I got, you know, I interviewed. Um, I did a podcast show actually to get some of these interviews. I talked to the, like the Financial Editor Today show. I talked to a business partner with Gwyneth Paltrow, the number one Saki expert in the world. Like, I mean, all these people and find out how they manage their relationships and what do they do and how do they make them be successful and what pitfalls do they have. And I put this all in the book so then people could really do everything from the psychology of where they need to be, where do they go, what do they say, how do they follow up, how do they go to conferences and business events, um, really pretty much everything I wanted to make in a step-by-step blueprint that if no one ever had spoken to me, they could be super successful, right? And I go through this, how introducing people to other people, you know, step by step and how to do it, just like I did right now. So I wanted people to, you know, really unlock the relationships both personally and professionally in their life because that's the reason that we're on this earth, right? And I mean, no one ever had a tombstone that said you worked a great life, right? It's about the relationships you have because it's ultimately the experiences. Absolutely. All about the experiences. Speaking of experiences, You've had several with many CEOs. In fact, you're called the CEO secret weapon, Jason. I, we, that's quite the moniker. But can you share some of those experiences where you've gone into a situation, you don't have to say names, and you've helped the CEO go from somewhere down in the dumps through uh, to the roof with some of your techniques? Right. So I have a client of mine that's here that's a chairman of a really large company and, you know, he just didn't know what to do next, right? I mean, there's no handbook for a CEO or an executive about what's the next step in your career. So what happens with people at that level typically is they have one of two paths. They either self-destruct because they'll take on negative behaviors like drinking, having affairs, or doing other things, or what they'll do is they'll Netflix and chill, meaning that all they'll do is do distractions, like surf the web, and they'll become really unproductive till it hits some level of a crash. But they'll go through these huge period of going, you know, sliding down a hill. 
So, you know, I've had to go in and help them on like the exercise I did here, help them find their purpose, usually forgive someone, stop, you know, stop asking for permission, do a lot of internal, deep self-inquiry with them. And usually they're teaching them some skill sets and then taking action, right? Well, one of my clients decided that you know, he really didn't want a day-to-day job anymore and started doing a lot of, you know, active investing. And he got, he's got investments in a lot of great companies. Um, he's making an insane amount of money, more than he made building this company up. It's a billion dollars and, and uh, not, not being a part of it anymore right now. Um, and then he's on the board of TED, the conference, you know, the main conference, and then XPRIZE, which is Peter Diamantis, and it's got like, you know, Google uh, founders are on and everyone else, and he's a part of this and doing all these great things, right? But what happened was is that he couldn't get from where he was to where he is now, and usually most people do, is he would have gotten some jobs doing something in the transportation world, consulting he would have had some investments in something, but nowhere near what he would have had of the experiences. He was just at Facebook headquarters and sent me a picture and was speaking with Mark Zuckerberg. Wow. I mean, like, that would have never happened before. And it was because you need that transition up, and everyone needs it. I mean, that's just life and what we all have to do because we all get stuck. And, I, you know, one of the things that I figured out that we all need to what most people who discover mastery have three different ways that they do this through like three different pillars one is you have to have systems strategies and processes that keep you moving forward all the time and you've got to hone those in learn new best practice skills and the second layer is you have to have coaches and mentors people that are helping you giving you advice People that have been down the road you want to go down or one of the roads and are farther ahead and can impart things so you don't have to take the amount of time that it would normally take you in order to do that, right? It's speeding up the process. And usually what I found is one year of coaching or mentorship is equal to about five or ten years in the real world of doing it. What I found is pretty much the average. And I've asked people and pretty much everyone agrees that that's a pretty good guiding rule. And the third part is having peer support, right? And that's a part of like a mastermind or an entrepreneur group because we need to feel supported, right? Because what happens is, is that like a CEO going home and married, well, it's great that he has his wife, but she's not sitting in that chair every day. She, she can't empathize at what's going on. I mean, she can try, but she can't do it, right? But what he needs is other people that are sitting in that chair, because then he doesn't have to try to explain his feelings. People just get it. And sometimes in life, we just need people to get it. So I think when you have those things, um, you can really create some great things in your life. But in order to do that, you've, you've got to look at your survival patterns we talked about earlier and your own psychology and be able to master it. Otherwise, all the things right here, I mean, getting systems and strategies and coaches, mentors and peer support won't work if your psychology is bringing, crashing you down all the time. Perfect, perfect. That's amazing. And, you know, if you, people wanted to reach out to you and find out more about this, where can they go? They go to my website. It's uh, jasontroy.com, and that's jasontreu.com. That's jasontreu.com. Unfortunately, my parents or my great-great-grandparents coming over from Germany and Austria didn't change the pronunciation or spelling of my name. So it gets uh, – it, no one ever gets it right. In fact, I was over in Germany probably like 10 years ago, and I thought, well, that's going to be awesome. People are going <laughs> to pronounce my name right. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be great. Well, 
I go in the hotel, I go check in, and uh, the first thing that the person says to me, so Mr. True, um, welcome you know, the hotel. And I thought to myself, my gosh, I can't even go to where my parents are, my great-great-grandparents were from, and not a people not pronounce my name. So I just got to live with it for the rest of my life. So. <laughs> yeah, people always mispronounce my name. They always say Teo uh, instead of Taiwan. And it happens all the time. I'm so used to it now. But I, I, can, definitely, I can definitely see and understand with, with that, uh, Troy. But it is JasonTroy.com, right? Yes. And it's the Troy is T-R-E-U. Yes. I really, really loved having you on. And, but I can't let you go without asking a final question. Sure. See? The mission statement of this podcast, Jason, is use your difference to make a difference. That's the foundation of everything that I do, and that's my mission, so to speak. So I'm very curious about you. How do you use your difference to make a difference? Well, for me, it's connecting people, right, and helping them feel a sense of belonging in their life. And so that's something that I've been always passionate about doing. I love uh, what I do and the messages that I spread, and I try to do that no matter what I'm doing in any environment. So uh, it's something that uh, drives me every single day. Love it. Love it. Love it so much. And you can find out about Jason at jasontroy.com. The, sh- the link will be in the show notes. Also, his book, make sure you get it. It is not a long read, as he said. It, it is social wealth. And make sure that you are incorporating relationships and finding ways to unlock success through that. Also, understand the importance of of finding your business purpose and your vision, especially when you're lost, and make sure you use creativity to be the key to your innovation and leadership in business. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jason. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.